We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Hand raised, guys. Welcome in this Thursday evening. Chase Parham, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio. Today, we will... um, we have a guest. I keep forgetting this. Breaking golf. We'll uh, talk tonight here, uh, probably in a few minutes. There's a lot of predictions, a lot of SE stuff. He said he'll get to defend his position on that. That was not overly kind to the Rebels um, when they came out. It wasn't unkind. You'll hear it in a minute. Okay. You'll, you'll, you'll hear basically the theme from him. Is this, it's, it, He's not alone in this. Is that the SEC West is a jumbled mess after Alabama. Well, no, that is true. And that the difference between second place and fifth place might just be one game. Might just be a head-to-head game. The difference between third and seventh might just be a head-to-head game. It's not an unreasonable take. If you look at the division, right, and say, obviously Alabama's going to be really good. If I say pick a team that's going to be really bad, it's a really hard exercise. No one is going to crazy suck. That's not going to exist. So if I tell you, like, if I tell you, tell me which of these statements is crazy. Okay. Texas A&M is going to be pretty good. Yeah, true. Ole Miss is going to be pretty good. Sure. LSU could be pretty good. Yeah. Arkansas could be pretty good. Sure. So far, you're not, right? Mississippi State brings back. State is the on paper worst team. There's no but, doubt about that. But, but they bring back a a system and a quarterback. Exactly. So if I say, hey, they bring back a quarterback running a third a system for the third straight year, mm-hmm. bunch of guys back on defense, they're going to be pretty good. You going to fight back on that? The one to me that's interesting is Auburn. If I go, you know, Auburn, but then here's what people say about Auburn: this could be a really good Auburn defense. They could be good enough on defense to stay in games. You going to fight back on that? I'm not. I'm like, okay, I, I get it. Okay, so so who sucks? Well, the answer is maybe nobody sucks. And if nobody sucks, everybody beats each other up. So the difference between third and seventh could just be head-to-head on a couple of games. Somebody makes a field goal, somebody doesn't. It's essentially what he said. You'll hear it in a minute. 
So when people go, Braden Gall picked Ole Miss to finish last. He's an idiot. Well, it's got a little more context than that. Because someone's going to finish last. One of those teams that I just named is going to finish last. Someone will. That is a fact. <clears throat> Auburn actually has the most question marks. Yeah, because their whole offense is yeah. a question mark. And their quarterback I, situation sucks. Yeah, yeah. and their offensive, Even the ceiling is low. Offensive line is shaky. Here's what's interesting is that every one of those teams that we just named, with the possible exception of Arkansas, has offensive line questions. And Arkansas has major defensive line questions. Yeah. Arkansas's offensive front is going to be pretty good. I, I, there's not really a scenario where it's not good. Sure. And then you talk about LSU. Like I did Matt Moscona show today in Baton Rouge. And the knock on LSU the last two years has been what? Totally dysfunctional. Totally disorganized. Nobody ever said, boy, this LSU team's not very talented. They had 10 dudes drafted off that team last year. Talented. I actually think I would buy some stock in LSU. The more that I talk through it, the more that I think if the football gods came down and said, hey, Neil, going to give you a little tip here, buddy. Alabama doesn't win the SEC West. Another team does. I think the team that I might go in on is LSU. Really? Yeah, because I'm not sold on this A&M thing. Other people are, and that's cool. But the A&M thing is built on a recruiting class. So I'm counting on a bunch of freshmen. And then here's my problem with you. If you say it's Arkansas, for example, I'm like, boy, if if your question mark is defensive line, I got problems. Yeah, you got to really. Now, does that mean they can't be a good team and win a bunch of games, but win the win the conference, win, win the division? No. My problem with Ole Miss is it's just they are replacing a lot. When you talk through it, they are replacing a lot. Quarterback, All-American defensive end, two NFL linebackers, Springer, bunch of running backs, Ben Brown, Wideouts. A lot of dudes. Wide, yeah. Frankly, that's the underrated thing is the wideout. Dontario Drummond, Braylon Sanders, dudes yeah. that made it a bunch of It might be okay, but there is a lot of turnover there that is that is that is noticeable. Yeah, so that's that's kind of my thing. Uh, we're brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. Same great products, same great services. If I know it's hot. Won't be long though before uh, winter is approaching. You'll want to make sure that that heating system is running. And it's still hot enough where if your AC starts to get a little uh, jittery, you want to address that. So call, if you live in Oxford, Tupelo, the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Memphis, Hernando, DeSoto County, that area, get in touch with the people at Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, 662 429 44 29. Uh, Chase mentioned we're in the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, and he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Uh, it's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. Do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that is um, hop into a Clark Ford. You will love the product. You'll love the service. Corey wants to be a car guy. He wants to be a truck guy. He'll prove it to you when you make the call. 662-257-1900. Braden Gall will join on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford. Great place to grab a burger, a po' boy, an appetizer. Just stop and have a beer when you're in Oxford next weekend. Enjoying um, 
the first football weekend of the season as Troy comes to town. Stop at Rafters, a great beer selection, full bar, and more. Also, if you're in the New Albany area, stop at Rafters, New Albany as well. Um, tomorrow, the uh, lunch special, if you are in town from the Oxford Exxon, spaghetti and meat sauce for uh, for that. Bread, any size fountain drink along with that if you uh, would like to partake, get a cheap, get a good lunch there for you. You know, you say that the any size fountain drink, and everybody goes, you're just going to grab the biggest one, but there's a time when you don't want the 44-ounce drink that you might just grab these, <laughs> even though it's all free at the same price. There's probably a moment when you wouldn't grab the Route 44 size just for the, the, yeah. the, the heck of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Sensibility I mean, there, right? Y- yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to drink 44 ounces at one time of Coca-Cola. Not on a regular basis. That's not good for you. Feel safe in saying Well, that. you could get unsweet tea. You could, and then you'd have... You don't have... Because I don't know what 44 ounces of Coke calories are, but it's probably pretty high. Well, it's not even the calories. It's the just sugar. the sugar. Sugar in a... Avery says, why does it have to specify meat sauce? Do people serve spaghetti sauce with no meat? And oh. they do. Absolutely. Because yeah, technically spaghetti's a noodle. Yeah, and the sauce is just sauce. You see, if sauce, you can have bolognese, which is like with the meat. But that wouldn't be spaghetti because that's a different noodle. I thought the bolognese was the sauce. But you're expecting a wide noodle for bolognese. You're not expecting a, a angel hair or a spaghetti noodle for bo- like, if somebody said bolognese, you're probably not thinking, hey, I'm going to have panay with this. Right? I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with that. Do you not? I mean, you could be right, but I don't really know what you mean. Like, I've put bolognese with rigatoni. You, you want to guess, by the way, on a the uh, grams of sugar that's in a 44-ounce drink? <laughs> grams of sugar in a... Um, I mean, I don't know exactly. I'm going to do a little math here, but I can do some 100. math. 100. Um... You would need to go way up. Are you serious? In 40 ounces, there's 130 grams. Oh, my God. So whatever that ends up being for the extra four grams. There. I guess 13, so 143. Okay, we have a discrepancy of opinions okay. on this. See, I've always I've always thought that bolognese... But yes, bolognese is, is a sauce. Is a sauce. Bolognese, is, that, that is correct. It is a sauce. Like, I've had it on rigatoni. I've had it on penne. I've had it on spaghetti noodles. I've had it on... So you have, really? Yeah. See, like, I mean, when I say bolognese, I'm expecting the... Almost like the... Either the, either a wide fettuccine noodle <laughs> or almost like an egg noodle. Like a linguine? Maybe. I'm not expecting a thin noodle, typically. I mean, I, whatever, but... So if I say spaghetti, what kind of a noodle do you think that is? That's just a regular-sized noodle to me, right? Angel hair is really thin. Yeah, I'm expecting a regular-sized, yes, noodle. I'm okay. sorry. I'm, I'm, I don't know the name of whatever that is or is not. <laughs> yes. But, yes, bolognese is a sauce. That is correct. Yeah. Italians do call the sauce gravy. But when I think of gravy, I think of like... Although I see here, although in Italy... Ragu aglio bolognese is not used with spaghetti, but rather with flat pasta like tagliatelle, whatever. So-called spaghetti bolognese has become a popular dish in many other parts of the world. Okay, but so it's not traditional. They don't do in Italy. You know, pro tip: tagliatelle. Is it tagliatelle or something? Yeah, like that. that. I'm yeah. sorry, my tongue doesn't work for that. But that's what she said. You know. <laughs> um. <laughs> what is interesting though is look. Here's a pro tip. 
if Italy says we're not doing the pasta that way, why would you go? You know what? No, we know better. We're we're gonna do the spaghetti noodles by God. It's oh, by ours. God, we live in Missouri. And we yeah, do, yeah. Come like on. like whatever they do, do it. Like because don't they? Isn't it right that they? They don't salt the water until it's already boiling, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. You're not supposed to salt the water until like, it Throw it in there first oh. and then bring it to a boil. It's like, oh. No, you get it to a boil, yeah, right. and then you add the, the salt, and then you add the pasta. Right. And you save some of the pasta water when you drain it. Because you can rehydrate the pasta if you need to with the water. Correct. So, and yes. sometimes it's what drives me crazy. So because th- that's the thing, everybody goes, "Hey, the pasta sticks together because you don't use the water for the starch to then keep it from yeah, doing the, that." What drives yes. me nuts is when people take the pasta and drain it and then pour cold water over it. I'm like, "What do you? Why? What? Which part of logic makes you think that would work? Why would you do that? Now you're rinsing the flavor off of the pasta because you want the." What do they think they're doing? Keeping it from cooking any longer? Is that is that the goal when they do that? I like blanching it. Yeah, is that what they're actually doing? Is that what they think they're doing? I guess. But you don't want to blanch the pasta. You want to cook the pasta until it's al dente, and then get it off the. <laughs> All right, I sense hostility from Ginger. <laughs> she says, for those who aren't in the stream and who are listening to this, she says, no, I'll, I'll eat my noodles how I like them, thanks. When I go to Italy, they can give me their noodles how they want. Fair enough. I sense. She says she likes angel hair or vermicelli. So, yes. Um, Do you wash your chicken? Like, before you cook it? Yes. You technically only have to dry it, though, right? Yes. Yeah, right. But I will typically rinse it off. Then I'm going to provide my own flavor. If if you have spaghetti leftovers, combine or keep separate the next day in the fridge. I've done both. Okay. You don't have a preference? Not really. I'm a separate person, but a lot of people think it like mixes all together and tastes better the second day, but I'd rather keep mine separate. Thanks. Oh, so do you ever take the pasta and put it into the sauce? Some pasta dishes, not normal spaghetti and and meat sauce. No, I keep it separate. Yes. No, rinse it, not wash it. Yeah, I'm not washing the chicken with like a a substance. Just (laughs) just, a palmolive. Yeah, no, I'm just going to rinse it. I always knew that this Thursday night show just goes off the rails so fast. And I, I don't really ever under. I mean, I just did a, an hour and 50 minutes with Tyler Siski, and this one goes off the rails. If you told me one was going to go off the rails within the first 15 minutes, I would have been like, oh, so me and Tyler. How did we get on this? I'm not sure. How'd the bolognese even come up? The uh, Oxford Exile. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> crap. Spaghetti and meat sauce. Right. Okay. I mean, how many podcasts have you done today? Yeah, fair. Uh, beans and chili or not? Uh, I like it both yes, ways, 100%. but yes, I prefer yes. beans. And meat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want vegetarian chili. No. Nope. We're not. We're, we're getting hardy here. We're not. Yeah. We're, I mean, the whole idea of chili is it's cold outside. It's hardy. And chili is definitely like July. Chili doesn't taste good. January chili is awesome. And it just is that way. I'm sorry. I'll fight this. I will. I will. No, we came to the agreement the other day that I think we uh, agree. You can get away with chicken tortilla, 
and there's probably some other soups you could get away with, but chili is not one of those. Yeah. And neither is creamy chicken noodle. Yeah, I was with uh, Corey the other day, and the soup special was creamy chicken noodle, and I was like, it's August. Because if you're sick, you want the more brothy one. Yeah. White chili or brown ch- brown brown ch- tomato. Ch- yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like white chili, but I prefer the brown. like the white chicken chili or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, it's fine. And as much as I like Cincinnati, I've never had the skyline. Chili. No, 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 just, no, 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 no. I don't no, want no, no. cinnamon and nutmeg in my chili. If I want that, I'll make a pumpkin pie. Well, with cheese and onions and spaghetti, it's all mixed together. Yeah, I know, and I don't want spaghetti on my chili. I've actually never had really good clam chowder, so I have no idea. I've never had like authentic clam chowder in my life. It's it, it's it's a it's a weak spot, huh? I've never been to Boston or like so. I don't like. I, I haven't been in a long time. I've, I've had I've had good clam chowder. It was, it was it was good. Is the chicken noodle soup at Chick Fil A back? Wasn't it gone for a long time? You're talking to the wrong person. No, I know. I'm talking to the yeah. story. Yeah, I was looking down. Sorry, no, no. I like, I like Chick Fil A fine, but I'm not the person that drives by Chick Fil A and goes, "Oh yeah, I got to have that." It's not a religious it's experience. Not a, no, not, not at all. In fact, I can't remember the last time I had it. Been at least a year. We'll rank the candy in October. We'll get there. Oh yeah, we'll rank candy. Had a good day. I'm good. Fine. I'm. I'm just. Yeah. I'm fine. Everything go good at kindergarten. You guys solved the world problems. It was very Art, helpful. They very had good. like a they had like a big group thing with both grades in one place, and you separated into your uh, into your classroom for some updates and some understanding. Yeah. I I learned how you actually grade kindergartners today. Um, I was not aware of that prior to about an hour ago. Um, found out what days need to wear some tennis shoes for PE. You know, got some things accomplished. It was okay. it, it was all right. That's yeah, good. Yeah, it was, it, That's good. It was it was fine. Looks like they moved some chairs around. Looks like the teacher realized that you know you, first day you're just kind of putting all the kids wherever. Realized that probably some of those kids didn't need to be, to be beside some other kids. So it looked like there was some some rearranging compared to open house. Had to control some some behaviors. Yeah, I got a feeling. So no, it's all good. It looks like everybody, everything's still standing. Let's do a quick uniform grade: Forty ers and Texans. The Forty ers have a a solid road uniform. Texans have a their uniform is fine. They should be better given their colors, but it's fine. Yeah. Like, I don't hate that. I love their helmet, actually. I do like that helmet. Not crazy about the jersey. What was the Dallas Texans uniform before they became the Chiefs? Do we know? I don't know. Okay. And then the other game is Packers on the road at the Chiefs, which is a really good uniform game for those who care. It's Packers and Chiefs? Yeah. At Chiefs. Yeah, Packers okay. Road, yeah. Chiefs Home. Chiefs Home is a pretty strong uniform. Okay. Red top on the white pant with the yellow stripe. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have just the normal grilled chicken sandwich? Or are we doing like the deluxe that has like the at least like, then they have like some extra stuff on it? Don't they have two options? I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to pass on the kale salad. Uh, ben wants to know if I saw the fight between the Bengals and Rams today. I did see some video of it. It was from a distance, though. It was kind of hard to tell exactly what had happened other than um, 
Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald had lost his mind. In a practice. Yeah. Like, and they're going to play a game Saturday, but none of the starters are going to play. They stopped the practice. They just ended it. Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach, said, yeah, we just kind of quit early. That's it. Yeah. Probably a lot of pissed off people. Yeah, probably. They, I mean, what's well, they've, and they've gone against each other every day now for about three days. So they're probably sick of one another. And then you throw in the whole Super Bowl thing. Because um, when, when you're doing a scrimmage like that, you are going to get a little more emotion than a normal practice, even though it is a practice. Sure. You're going to get some jawing and some yeah, stuff. You and, know, that's why they do a lot of that, to get more intensity in it this time of year. And the, this is the final preseason game. After this, everybody gets ready for the opener Yeah, in a couple of weeks. How long does it take the NFL team to kind of install? That I don't know. Three or four weeks to get it all in? To get where you feel good about it? The problem with the NFL training I mean, like is, for the opponent. Like, oh. What do you think their preparation is from a, compared to college for an opponent? <sighs> oh, well, they, they play on Sunday. They take Monday and Tuesday basically off. And then yeah. it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So three-day yeah. three install. And then you travel Saturday or get ready Saturday and play Sunday. Sure. A game is so physical that you spend two full days recovering. That is a brutally physical game when you watch it on 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 the field. Who's playing for the Chiefs tonight? Uh Mahomes started, but he's out already. He must have just played one series. I don't even know who four is. Yeah, see, that's a good uniform game. NFL just has great uniforms. They just across the board. Very few suck. Uh, yes, please do hit the like button. If you're not subscribed already, hit the subscribe button. Our number is slowly going up. We're, we're, we're hoping to get to 10,000. Not positive we'll do it, but hit the like button. We'd appreciate that. Thanks to everyone who has hit the subscribe button. It doesn't cost you anything. Hit the subscribe button. Tell a friend. Tell two friends. Get them to tell friends. I know y'all. Y- Steal people's phones. Hit the subscribe button. You two gang up on me over the chicken nuggets, but I will stand. I will stand by it. What was your chicken nugget take? Well, they're they're you just for don't kids. Like them. Yeah. If you're over a certain age, you don't need a chicken nugget. And Ginger and Avery are both very upset with me about this take. People will fight about chicken nuggets. I don't really have as strong of an opinion as you do. I, I'm not a big chicken nugget person. If I'm going to have chicken nuggets, I'd rather have chicken fingers. Yeah, I would have. A, I'd rather have a finger or a strip or whatever you want. And I'd call much it. prefer wings over any of the above. Or just bone chicken in general. Yeah. Like, like a, even I mean, like a grown-up, like a chicken breast. Like a grown-up, see? So you do agree. See? Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> I like a really good grilled chicken wing. All in. Smoked. Grilled, whatever. Yeah, smoked. Yeah. Smoked and then kind of charred just a little. Oh, I'm in. Totally. Had some of those in, where was I? I guess I was in Fayetteville last weekend at Feed and Folly. They're, it's the first time I ever got in the wings there. They're really good. So if you guys go up for uh, football season, Ole Miss plays up there in November. If you can get in Feed and Folly, get the wings. They were like lemon, they, they offered different varieties. I got the lemon pepper and they were excellent. They're really good. Lemon pepper. Yeah, you know, scale of one to 10, I'd have given them a solid nine. Really? Oh, yeah, they were really, really good. Wow. Okay. Had a lot of meat on them. We don't have time to go through that. The bone just takes up space. 
No, the bone provides flavor. Yes. That's why, like, as Keg 6380 says, thighs. And I assume he means chicken at this point. Probably. But, yeah. Hard to beat. I don't like the chicken minis at Chick-fil-A because I don't like the bread, like the roll thing with it. I would rather have the sandwich or nothing. It's the, it's the, it's actually, it's not even the fact that it has just freaking chicken nuggets inside it. So you're kind of cheating there anyway, but it's the bread. All right. I, I, it's, what? Navarro 1982 says boneless chicken thighs have really become popular. Are you having a hard time making that make sense? Well, it can't it's, be a thigh without a bone. If I tell you, hey, this is a thigh, included in there is a bone. If I tell you there's no bone, then it means someone has filleted it. Well, has and taken now, it off the and bone. And now it's just a dark meat chicken nugget. Because that's all that would be, right? You would take the dark meat and then reshape it back into a... I guess. How do you trust that it all came from the thigh at that point? How do you believe... Are they or, even the same chicken? Or, yeah. Or even chicken. Or that it's even chicken. How do you know? Because nobody can eat a McDonald's chicken nugget and tell me that's actually chicken. No argument. I mean, come on. No argument. The bone confirms for you that you're having chicken. Which is the point. That's true. <laughs> we're losing friends tonight. Yeah. What was that? The Carnegie thing. It happens, you know. I mean, sometimes you just... How to win friends and influence people. Here's, yeah. what, here's what we got going today. Sometimes you just hit a fork in the road, you know, and this is it. Glad <laughs> 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 uh, there's not comment cards right now. Um... <laughs> Where you want to go? You want to go to Braden here and get some football in, or it almost feels inappropriate at this moment. But that's what we do. We get all this going prior to guy going there. You about to finish dead last in the SEC West. <laughs> yeah. so that, that, that's what tonight's show is. Yeah. It needs a warning label. You people who like chicken nuggets, you're nuts. Oh, and by the way, here's Braden Gall, who thinks Ole Miss will finish seventh in the seven-team SEC West on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline. Yeah, I have seen I have seen that stuff about the the McNuggets and and how all that comes to how all that comes together. We're jumping around sure. uh, to ruin the to provide to be the buzzkill here. Have you seen the Matt Areza San Diego State story today? I have not. Well, no. you should read it. Okay. And then tell me when we're done on the other side. Did the Buffalo Bills let him go punt? Uh, okay. Better or worse than the Troy thing we talked about this morning? I'm not sure how you do degrees of worse in these type stories. Um, It's every bit as bad, if true. Okay. And I hate to go probably worse because I think at some point you just hit the wall of bad. Yeah, it's just terrible. You just hit the bad wall where there's no... Like, you're up against a concrete wall, and no matter how much pressure you push, you're just against the concrete wall. I think they're there. If you're the Bills, I mean, if you're... The first question for the Bills is, did you know about this when you drafted him? Did you did you 
investigate it? Are you confident that he is not guilty? Are you confident that his side of this story is even plausible? So he does have an explanation. I mean, I'll look at it in a second, obviously. I mean, yeah, but I mean, even his explanation sucks. But if the alleged victim's explanation is true or her account is true, it's it's damning. Gotcha. Yeah, so. I don't think he can. I'm with Rebel Blamer here. I don't. I can't let him touch the field for my team until I'm absolutely confident okay. that he's in the clear. And I realize football players aren't angels often, but this sure. is this is it's whoa. Okay. I'll read it in a second. Any uh any other hot takes before we go to Braden? Anything else? Uh no. You're gonna you gonna say like Disney World sucks or something to really get everybody going? Um, I will say I think Disney World's kind of overrated. Uh, you wait in line a lot. It's hot as hell. It's in Central Florida, which is not my favorite spot on the face of the earth. Um, but it's fine. Hey, I, I will. I'm all about a cheese class. I have no problem with cheese classes. Johnson Hill Creamery, JohnsonHillCreamery.com, Instagram page. Um, no, I like cheese. Classes. Yeah, there's no problem. We have no issues with with champagne, wine, or cheese classes. Now, now you're getting into something we actually will absolutely defend. Yeah, I, I could. Sip champagne all day. I'm good with you. It's fine. <laughs> the bubbles are not a problem around here. We're all we're all good. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm fine on Disney. It's just not my like the whole let's go to Disney for vacation. Okay. I mean, I can think of other places I'd rather go. Okay. Just sounds like a lot of lines to me. If I could go where I didn't have to wait in lines, I'm I'm all in. Yeah. But if I've got to stand in line for an hour and 20 minutes so that I can ride Space Mountain for 90 seconds. You're good. I'm, I'm really okay. I knew that when we get the dander up, okay? I went there on purpose just to ruffle some feathers, all right? I I, I know, I know, I know. We're all, we're, we're, it's all fun and games tonight. It's all funny until someone gets their eye poked out. <laughs> so, yeah, go ahead. All right, so uh, here's Braden Gall. We talked to him earlier. Uh, I talked to him yesterday, as a matter of fact, so on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. I think uh, you'll like part of the interview. Parts of it will probably get your dander up, but that's okay. It's football season in nine days. We'll start to find out who's right, who's wrong, and all of those things. Here is Braden Gall. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Braden Gall, kind enough to join us here on the podcast. He is the host of Fringe Element. It's an SEC football-only podcast that I think you guys would really enjoy. Uh, he also hosts a football show and uh, the Cover 2 podcast as well. So he's a busy yeah. guy. Just got back from uh, Titans camp. He's Nashville-based. You might uh, you might already know that. Uh, before we dive into college football, I've, uh, I had an NIL deal. We did a show last year with Chance Campbell at the time. He was an Ole Miss linebacker. Um, it was kind of a roll of the dice a little bit. I did some research, and everybody's like, hey, man, he's a great kid, super organized, going to be a really good football player. And I was like, I want to do it with somebody that the fans don't already know. And it worked out perfectly. He was great. Uh, not all pl- shows with players are super smooth, Brayden, as you <laughs> might imagine. They're busy. They have stuff going on. Yeah, They're only yeah. 21, 22 years old. They forget. Chance never forgot. He was phenomenal. And I get I say all that to say this. Um, I've talked to some NFL people around, you know, just people who've been to camps and stuff, and they're all like, hey, man, this guy's going to make the Titans, and he's going to play. So you were just out there. We're about, what, yeah. T-minus two weeks or so from the start of the NFL season. Give me an update on um, the, Ole Miss, the former Ole Miss linebacker. I, I think that assessment's pretty accurate, honestly. Like, I right now he's number three on the depth chart. Uh, Monty Rice, linebacker out of Georgia has been dealing with an Achilles from last year that has kept him out all of camp. So, uh, ironically, you got Zach Cunningham, Vanderbilt alumni, uh, along with Monty Rice and Chance Campbell. Um, David Long is the starter with Zach Cunningham, but those two are the starters. After that, it's right now it's Chance Campbell. He's played a ton of snaps in both preseason games. Um, I think that the chart on him and the diag- and like the, the scouting report on him was pretty accurate. little undersized. Um, I, I think he... Like in the open field against NFL running backs, I think he lacks like a half a step. But otherwise, he's in the right place at the right time at all times. The the coaching staff trusts him, and for a, I think it was a sixth round pick for him to be basically number three on the depth chart and the first guy off the bench right now. Now he'll drop down a spot when Monty Rice comes back, but he's been really good. I mean, he broke up uh, today. They he was running against the ones today and broke up a pass and. In, in two-minute drill and a, a, over the middle to Nick Westbrook-Akine from Ryan Tannehill, and he jumped in there and knocked it out. Defense goes crazy, and so he's he, he's he's earned his playing time. Really good special teams player, so that's important for a, a guy of his sort of draft stock. So it's yeah, been a he, good camp for him. So He's more athletic than he gets credit for, and yeah. such a cerebral guy and such a hard worker and so such a determined guy that you knew all the intangibles. He checked every box, and yep. he would be able to help you on special teams. I just think it's so cool that, um, 
assuming he makes the roster and plays, and it certainly sounds like he will, that his first game is going to be back home in Baltimore. It's going to be, it's got to be a cool yeah. thing for his family. I got to know his family uh, a little bit over the course of the last year. They're great people. I'm super excited for him. So that's, that's, a, that's a cool story. I know that Chance labored over the decision about whether to come back to Ole Miss. And I think at the end of the day, he just decided, hey, my stock is where it is. It might go up a little, but it could fall because players get hurt in football. And he's like, if I'm going to do this, this is my dream. Let's chase it. And it just looks like he's landed in, in a great spot. Yeah, he's not going to all of a sudden be three inches taller if he goes back to college. So I think he kind of is what he is. And right now, that's an NFL football player. And I think all the things you saw last year that allowed him to be sort of the the heartbeat and the leading tackler and all these things that made him, again, along with a few other pieces, which I'm sure we're about to talk about with Ole yep. Miss, but... Yep. Uh, part of the reason they make a two touchdown per game jump on defense is a player like him. And he's, his scouting report was probably not going to change. It's not like he was going to develop all these new skills by coming back. Um, and the risk of course, as you pointed out is, is one where you could get hurt, tear an ACL, you know, miss half a season, fall out of sight, out of mind. And I think uh, right now he's on the roster. Like if I'm doing my 53, which we do all the time, of course, in the NFL, it, like it's not even a debate right now. I don't. I don't think he's even in like the final five or six names that I would put up on the on the board and say, are they going to make it or not? I think right now he's on the team. It's like you've done this before. You you provide a perfect segue for uh, where I was going, and that is, Chance Campbell's not here anymore. Um, another guy that didn't get talked about nearly as much because he didn't come on until a little later in the season is Mark Robinson, who is blowing up Steelers camp. Um, yep. Both of those guys are going to play this season in the NFL as rookies, which means they were pretty damn good college players who aren't in college anymore. It's one of the concerns I have about Ole Miss. Um, I, I, I think this Ole Miss team has a chance to be really good. I think he's got a chance to win more games than I think you think they do, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I'm worried about linebacker. I'm worried about do you have the impact guy at safety to replace Jake Springer, who was perfect for what they asked him to do. He wasn't an elite player, but he was an elite player at doing what they asked him to do. And then obviously you have Matt Corral and you've got uh, some, you know, some shakeup on the offensive line. I say all of that to get to this, Braden. You are less high on Ole Miss than maybe anyone that I've, I've run into. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to get you on now because we're about a week away from, you know, this time a week from now, it's going to be 48 hours until kickoff. And it's going to be like, here we go. It's that last week where you sort of project. What is it about Ole Miss that uh, that you don't like compared to the rest of the SEC West? So I want to be very clear. I still think they're going to a bowl game. I, I still think they're a quote unquote good football team. So like I, I don't want to do the sports talk radio thing where either they're going to go to the Sugar Bowl or they suck. Yeah. Like, no, there's like there's there's actual real life middle ground in there, and I think a, a lot of it is when you start to remove. Like certain programs can lose both coordinators, every major star on defense, and a historically epic quarterback that is probably the most productive and greatest in school history that's not named Manning. And if you take all of that away from 99% of college programs, go there's going to be a major step back. Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State can, can do all of that, but like very few teams can do that, especially if you're going to live in the portal and not recruit and not have like. It's not that Lane Kiffin hasn't recruited well. He has. It's it's he doesn't have five or six years of classes stacked on top of each other. Like like Kentucky's a perfect example of this. Like if Kentucky loses a player, 
I feel more comfortable with with what their options are going to be because Stoops has recruited every one of those guys, developed every one of those guys, coached every one of those guys, and and they're just there's more continuity there. So I think that that is a very vague and nebulous way of putting it. I also think you package that with the coaching staff and DJ Durkin. I think is a really good coordinator. You lose you lose him. You you know again we've talked about all the stars on on defense. You talked about Robinson Campbell talked about safety, talked about pass rush, talked about run stuffing. Like every major thing they did well that allowed them to get better is all gone from the coordinator all the way down all the, to all the pieces. And in a conference and in a division where everyone is going to be better. Our, Arkansas, I think, is going to be better. Mississippi State is going to be better, I, I, especially on offense in particular. Alabama is going to be better. Texas A&M should be better. Like they could all be better on offense. Every single team they're going to play. By and large, in the West, I think Vanderbilt's a different story altogether. But if you look at who they're going to play and who they're going to battle with, it's all a major different step. And they could have lost an extra game or two last year. They lose that they're one play away from losing. They're like three yards away from losing the Tennessee game if if a quarterback hits an open receiver in the end zone. So that all sounds like negative stuff for Ole Miss. I actually think it's a major compliment that you can lose all of that stuff. And that Lane Kiffin could still have a team that could go to a bowl game. That that to me is a compliment, actually, to Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss because well, most programs cannot lose all of that stuff and still be good. You know, um, I've, so. I've tried to tell some people, Braden. What's interesting to me about Ole Miss? I've had people say, "What do you think?" And I, I'm like, "Well, look, I, I get them at eight and four most of the time when I do the win loss loss win 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 whatever." But I'm always like, "If you told me I was off a game." I would go, okay, they went seven and five. And it's like, why? It's like, because there's just question marks. Could they get to nine and three? Sure. Is it likely? I don't think so because I don't like the back half of their schedule. I don't like the way it's stacked. They don't they haven't settled on a quarterback yet. And here we are as we tape this ten days away from the start of a season. Yep. That to me is a a caution flag. And then I worry about linebacker in a league where linebacker matters. And then this is the big thing. The rest of the division, obviously Alabama's the best team in the country, according to everyone. Uh, different people have different thoughts about A&M, but a lot of people have them as a top 10 team. Um, you mentioned Mississippi State. You like the over on Mississippi State's win-loss at six and a, six and five, 6.5. You like them over. You like Arkansas over. A lot I, like people, L, I like LSU over. I like I Auburn do. over. Like I, I like do. everybody over. <laughs> like Connolly's SP Plus stuff came out the yeah. other day, and he's got everybody in the top 20, and it's like, yeah. hey, all these guys are going to play each other. People have to lose games. So let's take a few of those kind of individually. Uh, uh, let's start with Mississippi State. They finished the season so poorly last year. They lost that close game in Fayetteville. Uh, they, they lost to Ole Miss. They lost their bowl game, and people sort of forgot about them. They do return a third-year starter at quarterback in a Mike Leach system. There's more familiarity. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a chance to be okay on defense. When you look at them, what do you sort of see? Uh, honestly, I've got the under 7.5 for Ole Miss and the over 6.5 for Mississippi State, but it's because I think Mississippi State wins that game. Okay. And if and if Mississippi State wins that game, they're both 7-5 and five in my book, honestly. And like that's a really good season for Ole Miss based on what they're losing. That's a pretty good season for Mississippi State based on what they have to face in their schedule because Ole Miss's schedule in the first half is clearly significantly easier than Mississippi State. But like I think LSU is significantly improved. So it's not it's not even just one or two or three or four. It's all six other teams they're going to play, I think, are better. 
and than they were last year in the division at least. And so Mississippi State, like I literally did the exercise where I went through and did like the win loss, win loss, win loss thing. And I'm like, at LSU for Mississippi State, okay, I got you a losing that. I got you losing to Arkansas. At Kentucky, I got you losing. Losing to Bama, losing to Georgia, even though I think they could win that Georgia game. They're one of the only teams that I think could beat Georgia. Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Because, okay. and, and, it's, and it's because of how it's all set up. Like, Georgia's going to play Florida and Tennessee, two really emotional, physical games. Then they're going to go on the road to a really hostile environment that's loud as hell that is all about doing what Bryce Young did to them in the championship game last year, which is sling it all around in space, which is the one thing you don't want to face after two grueling matchups. You don't want to – like, I don't think Kentucky can beat them because Kentucky tries to do the same thing as Georgia. I think Mississippi State could beat them if Georgia has their one moment of the year where they slip up, they don't pay attention, they're emotionally spent from the two weeks before, they're looking ahead to what in theory could be an SEC East championship game against Kentucky on the road the following weekend – could the Cowbells and Will Rogers get you? Absolutely. But I'm still picking Georgia to win that game. And then it comes down to old, you beat East Tennessee State, it's down to the Ole Miss game. And so if you feel really good about Ole Miss at home in that game, you're probably taking the over 7.5 for Ole Miss and yep. the under for Mississippi State. It really is going to come down to one, one game. I also think Mississippi State is going to do something that you don't expect them to do. Maybe it's not Georgia. Maybe it's LSU. Maybe it's A&M. They beat them last year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, like, I just think there's like, it, it's going to be such a cannibalist type of division and it's not, it's not much different on the East, like Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, they're all good football teams. Um, they're all over 500. They're all bowl teams. And so South Carolina, I'm not buying as much into the hype on South Carolina yet. I need to see some depth. Um, but it's just like, somebody has to be at the bottom of these conversations. And I've sort of settled on. You know, Auburn, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Florida are kind of like the four that I think settle into the bottom of that. But all of those teams are good teams. Like, those are not bad football teams, so it's not meant to be an insult at all. You were at uh, Titans camp, so you've seen Traylon Burks, who is not at Arkansas anymore, was such a uh, safety blanket, for lack of a better word, a security blanket for uh, K.J. Jefferson last year. There were times they just threw the ball up, and he went and got it, and He's not there. I know they've got some other receivers that they brought in out of the transfer portal, but I don't know that any of them are Traylon Burks. What is it about Arkansas that makes you think, hey, this is a, an eight or more win team? Line of scrimmage and quarterback play. I mean, this this league is about your line of scrimmage and your quarterback, and I think they're both they're very good at all three of those positions. Barry Odom is a star on defense. Again, if he is the one who goes to Texas A&M I'm, and DJ Durkin stays at Ole Miss, I might actually think differently about the two teams, but Barry Odom is – doing God's work up there on Arkansas's defense. They, they, their front seven is really good. The offensive line is just as physical as it was last year when they lined up and punched Texas A&M in the mouth after beating Te- – like, they just lined up and beat A&M. It wasn't fluky at all. And K.J. Jefferson, I think, is going to take another step and become a star. So some of that's culture. Some of that's buy-in. Some of that's – you know, Jadon Hazelwood, you mentioned, as, as a transfer. I think he's a, a, a better player than people realize. Traylon Burks – He's not getting covered the right way, I think, nationally. I think he is a star in the making, freak athletic ability. Just because the quarterback, Malik Willis, doesn't see him in games doesn't mean that he's not open. Um, so I think he's got, he's a, a huge loss, but the running game is going to be great. Like, you give me a great defensive line or a good defensive line, a great offensive line, a great quarterback, a good defensive coordinator, and a good head coach, it's, it's hard to beat a lot of that when you put it all together in a schedule full of swing games like that is like 
I've never honestly, Neil, I've never seen an SEC like this. Honestly, I don't I've think I've seen a schedule like the one they've got. They've got these weird games. Arkansas does with Cincinnati. Yeah, and still got that trip to BYU. I don't know who scheduled that. That was nuts. And then they've got you know the the Arlington game and Jerry World right. against A and M. They just got these emotional games early that you're right are swing games and who knows what they look like. The BYU thing is weird. BYU's I think BYU is really good. Yeah, and, and like they get Notre Dame in Las Vegas, they got to play Oregon. Like they got a lot of good. They could ruin a lot of seasons. BYU could, and Arkansas is absolutely one of them. And that could also be the game that hits the over for for Arkansas. It may not be an SEC West game. It may be the BYU road trip. I think Baylor's got to play BYU. Baylor's a top ten team in my opinion, and BYU could just could de- could derail that entire thing. So I, I think BYU is going to play a very strange role in college football this year. Uh, and we know that the you know they got a great quarterback. They have twenty five year old you know family men along the line of scrimmage. Like yeah, they're all grown adults with kids and stuff. So it's like I don't want to play that in the middle of the season on the road. That that who whoever that must have been a Jeff Long thing. <laughs> Jeff Long, Jeff Long must have scheduled that one. Yeah, Sam Pittman has to look at that game and go, "What in the hell?" I mean, give me yeah. Pine Bluff at home that day. Um, so yeah, you know, it's interesting is the state of Utah is going to have something to say about the, the the college football season. There's three really good teams in uh, in yeah, the state. there are. Um, real quick before we get to some other teams that I wanted to ask you about, uh, what about Tennessee? Are you there in that state? I've heard people say, "Hey, you know, Heupel's a little." concerned about maybe what's coming next season because he thinks they could take, kind of take an inevitable step back just because of yeah. what leaves, but that this has a chance to be a nine, maybe even a 10-win team. You're around it a little bit. What do you think with the balls? I think that's a little over their skis. Um, I, I almost always sort of lean on like probabilities in a weird way, um, not from like an analytic standpoint, but just like, what are the odds this happens? And Hendon Hooker, had the most efficient season in the history of Tennessee football last year. L- literally, the most efficient season in school history. Uh, what are the statistical odds that he replicates that again? They're small. And, and it doesn't seem high. I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to have a great season. I think the offense provides a very stable floor for that team every single game. Probably 31 to 35 points, no matter who they're playing. Even maybe Bama or Georgia. Their defense has got huge questions everywhere. Corner, tackle, linebacker, depth, front seven. Like they've got two nice pass rushers and young and barren, but like that's about it. I'm every game they play is a swing game. They got Pittsburgh, Kentucky, at South Carolina, like at LSU is a loss, in my opinion. I, they just and then you add Bama and Georgia to it also. So I this 10 and 2 thing to me is for them to go 10 and 2, every single thing is have to go, is gonna have to go right. And statistically, life doesn't work that way. Right. And and so I think Tennessee's a good football team. I think they're going to have a, a winning record. They're going to maybe even be better than they were last year if they beat Pittsburgh, let's say, on the road. All of a sudden, they're 8-4. and four. They should have lost the Kentucky game last year. I think they beat them this year maybe in Neyland. But I think Kentucky's a more complete football team. I have Kentucky at, at 2 in the East. 9-3 uh, uh, and three to me is Tennessee's ceiling, and that's if they win every other swing game. And again, that would be Pittsburgh, Kentucky, South Carolina, namely. If you if you lose to LSU, Bama, and Georgia, you're already at nine and three. Like I, I don't know. Like I, I just think you're asking them to be perfect. And oh, by the way, if you talk to coaches about that offense, it's very easy to to scheme for once you know what it is. And so I, I would be concerned if I'm a Tennessee fan about being too predictable on offense because everyone once you get tape on Josh Heupel's offense, it 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 
you, you tend to figure it out, especially if you've got better players. And right now, they, Tennessee does not have better players than most teams that they're going to play. You've got Kentucky, two in the East, and I'm with you completely. Who do you have two in the West? I, I'm I'm trying to find a reason not to pick A and M. Honestly, like I'm trying, like I'm like A and M's got the best roster of everybody else, not named Bama. They got a coach who's got a ring. Uh, like I, I losing Mike Elko is a huge deal. I think that's a huge loss for them. But their talent level is just so good. But I think they're still going to do some A and M stuff. So like I don't know. Yeah. Like you lose to both Mississippi schools, a bad LSU team, and and get and get pushed around by Arkansas. Like I don't. That's not just Zach Calzada. That's not just the quarterback situation. So if they've got a quarterback who's better and the talent level is still as good as we think it is, like I think the offensive line is going to be real salty. They got weapons everywhere. It's almost like Jimbo Fisher has to evolve the offense to some degree, kind of like we've been talking about with Kirby Smart for the last few years. And if he does that with Haynes King, then I think that that it's pretty clearly A and M. But I I'm like I'm searching though. I'm like I'm like looking around, going like who. Like I don't think LSU has enough pieces on the offensive line. I don't Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Their schedules to me are too difficult, especially in the back half. Auburn, I just can't pick Auburn to do anything dependable at all. So it kind of comes down to Arkansas versus A and M, and Arkansas pretty much manhandled them last year. So if you're going to pick somebody else, it's probably Arkansas. I just think A and M has to continue to ascend, though. And again, they were fifth in the country during in 2020. They were one spot away from the playoff. And I yeah. think people people forget that that they were pretty good when they got good quarterback play that year out of Kellen Mond. And I think they're going to get better quarterback play. So I'm going to go A&M, but I'm like actively searching for, for <laughs> someone else to pick right now. I love some of your other thoughts on teams around the league. You and I share a, um, a similar thought on NC State. You have NC State going to the ACC title game. I'm with you, by the way. I, I just think if you look at their roster compared to the, the rest of the ACC, they're right there. We saw Baylor in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, that was a dynamic defense. Uh, Dave Aranda is a terrific defensive coach. He's turned into being a terrific head coach, I think. You've got Baylor in the Big 12 title game. I'll get you to talk about those, but here's the one that turned my head, and I was like, what? And make sure I read this correctly. You've got Purdue in the Big 10 title game. Now, technically, those were wagers, okay. so I was I was chasing value. On, now, I definitely have Baylor playing in the Big 12 championship game. Okay. I, I go back and forth depending on what my mood is between Clemson and NC State. Um, and Purdue is more of, again, a long shot good value bet. If I'm going gotcha. place to a, place a bet on a team to play in a championship game and I can get like plus 600 odds on it, I think Purdue's a really smart play. Uh, they also do the one thing in that division that no one else can do, which is complete forward passes. So I, I, that's a that's a skill that I think is valuable in 2022 football. The other two teams, I are completely about what do they have in common with Arkansas, which is great line of scrimmage play on both sides of the ball. Baylor's line of scrimmage is a complete representation of Dave Aranda. Like they just Dave Aranda, like they literally took LSU players and have turned them into All Americans on Baylor's defensive line. NC State's the same thing. People don't know how good that defense is. They have two All-American linebackers. They've got one of the best secondaries in America. They were the second-best defense in that conference behind Clemson, which is maybe the best defensive line in America. Their offensive line is really, really good. They just put somebody in the league with, with a first-round draft pick with, with their left tackle. They've got a quarterback that nobody talks about it, who had like 36 touchdowns and like six interceptions last year in Devin Leary, which is incredible that no one talks about that. They beat Clemson last year. Like, it's... The, the, the problem with NC State is expectations, and I they don't really do well with that. 
I think people would be shocked to hear that NC State's had one 10-win season in the history of its program, which wow. is like an astonishing number. But again, established culture. Dave Doran's been there for almost a decade. Tony Gibson, the defensive coordinator, has been there and established himself. They have one of the most complete teams in the country. They also have as many returning starters as anybody else in America. So I like NC State a lot. I, I've got them like ninth in the country. I don't know if they're going to beat Clemson on the road. That's a tough game. But I think they can absolutely get to 10-2. And two. And they, if you're putting a wager down on playing in the ACC championship game, NC State's a really good value play. I think Baylor's a potential playoff team. Like, if they don't get tripped up, again, BYU in the non-conference, you know, if they have to split with Oklahoma, that's my concern. Well, in the Big 12, you don't have to win that many games. I mean, it's it's the total opposite of the SEC West, where you could be an Ole Miss or LSU or whatever and be a really good team, and just the weight of the schedule finally collapses on you. If you play in the ACC or you play in the Big 12, you do get, and I put these in quotes, but you get breathers, right? I mean, you, you're, yeah, you, you got to play Syracuse. You got to get ready. You got to focus. But that's not the same as having to go to Fayetteville or having to go to College Station. It's a different deal. I, I don't think so. I'm not going to compare the Big 12 to the SEC. I'm not. That's not what I'm doing here. Right. But I, but I do think week in and week out, that is one of the most balanced conferences in the country. Like I, to me, there's not like Kansas is much much better with Lance Leipold, who's a really good football coach. They are much better. They are tougher out today than they were ever before. Texas Tech is a tough out. I think West Virginia is pretty good. I think I like the over five and a half on West Virginia. Yeah. Kansas State could challenge for a spot in the Big 12 championship game. Texas is Texas. Oklahoma State's really good. Oklahoma's going to be good. Like that is a good conference from one to 10. ACC has far more breathers, in my opinion, than the Big 12, but the balance inside the Big 12 makes it tough to pick anybody to go to the playoff. Because I think, again, if you're Baylor to make the playoff, you probably have to beat. Oklahoma at least once if not twice and you probably have to do it in the Big 12 championship game because I think they can beat Oklahoma once in the regular season I'm not sure I'm picking them to come back and beat them twice and that's that's the tricky part and be perfect in the non-conference but what Baylor does is different than everybody else in that league like uh, they they are going to line up and beat the tar out of you at the line of scrimmage and that is like Iowa State does it to some degree Oklahoma State did it with Jim Knowles who's now at Ohio State so I they just do it a little differently, and th- like they got a good quarterback. Blake Shapin clearly won the job early for him to make that decision to allow Jerry Bohannon to transfer and go win a job somewhere else. I, I don't know. They're the reigning defending champions. I don't like it's it, to me. It shouldn't be a hard sell for why Baylor is a. Again, I've got them like sixth or seventh in the country. I I think they are if they they are one loss away from making the playoff. In, in my opinion, they're eleven and two Big Twelve champion. And if they do 12-1, and one, they're in the playoff probably. Last thing, and I always ask people like you who clearly have a finger on the pulse of what's going on nationally, not just there in Nashville or even in the SEC, how closely are you watching this realignment stuff? Do you think we've slowed down for a little while, or do you get the feeling that there's, for lack of a better word, sort of a bombshell that's just waiting to fall in any day now? I, I don't. It depends on how big you think a Pac-12, Big 12 merger would be in terms of bombshell. I, I think that'd be pretty you know, big, Braden. I, I think it would be. It's not the same though as like the SEC grabbing Clemson. Like, like I don't think the SEC is going to do anything. The Big Ten has alluded to, to to continued expansion, which would include Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. And so the big big domino left to fall is going to be: is there a streaming service, or even maybe ESPN? that wants to overpay the way CBS just overpaid for third-tier rights in the Big Ten. 
is there a streaming service that wants to counter program and overpay for that or even again or even ESPN to counter program the Big 10 and the SEC which right now dominate every every TV viewing window from 11 a.m. central to the primetime game or at least in the future when it, when all this shakes out and the only way I've been saying it for 2 months and I've talked to industry people I've talked to media people I've talked to SEC folks I've talked to TV people the 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 game plan is take the football teams and fan bases of the Big 12 with the best football teams from the West Coast and play them on Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. And that is how you counter-program all of the Big 10 SEC stuff that's happening. And you could do that with... like If you're telling me that Utah versus BYU is going to be on Friday night, like I'm not watching anything else. I'm going to watch that. Sure, of course. You give me Oklahoma State, West Virginia on a Thursday night. I'm watching that over an NFL, a kind of a middle of the pack, average NFL game. As a college football fan, like I want to watch Washington State and Oregon State and Colorado and Arizona schools and Texas Tech and Baylor and TCU. Like these are good teams, and so to me, you package that all together and you put it on either ESPN after dark or streaming after dark, and you make it a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night play. To me, that's how you do it. I think that's coming sooner. Whatever that is, that's gonna that's gonna be the first thing that happens. And if Oregon right now, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal are trying to play poker with the Big Ten, and they're with a with a really garbage hand, they're trying to convince the Big Ten like you got to take us now, or you're never gonna get us, or we're gonna go to the Big Twelve. And I don't know if that's a bluff on their part, but that is the next thing that could happen. And right now, the Big Ten's in no rush to do that. They yeah, just if, you're their... the, if you're the Big Ten, right, if you add those four schools, and I don't know what those four schools really bring to the table, they're, they're fine, they're good, but now you're 20 schools and you're asking your TV partners, hey, ante up. And I which, don't was, think... which was written into the contract. Like, yeah. It goes from $7 billion to $10 billion if they expand further. So it's all right there in front of us. Like they're not, they're not doing, like all the quiet stuff is out loud. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not sure. like they're hiding this stuff. So. Oregon and Washington are, I mean, Washington made the playoff and Oregon's played in two national title games. I mean, that's all you need to say to convince me of those two. Stanford is obviously academically aligned with the Big Ten. Cal, same thing. It's almost like if you buy Oregon and Washington, we'll throw in Stanford and Cal. Right. And they and they definitely want a West Coast wing because if you're NBC and you're paying $300 million for a primetime slot, you probably want more than just USC on the West Coast in that evening time slot. It's probably going to be Ohio State in the noon slot, and it's probably going to be Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa in that 3.30 slot, and then you're going to get West Coast stuff on the NBC broadcast. That's a really good game plan if you're Kevin Warren in the Big Ten. It is, and if that happens and you're Colorado and Utah and Arizona and Arizona State, you got, you, you got to yep. bolt. you got to bolt. You can't stay any longer. Yep. What, last thing, what do you think Notre Dame does? Stays independent? No, nothing, and I think the SEC is going to help them stay independent. Like The SEC and Notre Dame are aligned for the first time ever in history. Is, and, and the SEC and Greg Sankey, and I know this almost for a fact, they will go out of their way to make sure Notre Dame has a path to the playoff because as long as Notre Dame has a path to the playoff and can negotiate its own TV rights, there's no chance they're joining a league. They don't need to. They have no desire to, and the SEC will help facilitate that because why? it's a two-horse race now in college football. Why would the SEC give the biggest the biggest chip left on the table to, to the Big Ten, their, their primary competition? So the SEC is going to do everything in their power to keep Notre Dame independent and to give them access to the playoff. It's going to be a 12-team playoff exactly like they laid out you know, to a year and a half ago. And Notre Dame will have a, a, an access point 
where they don't have to play a championship game and they're going to get in. And that's that's okay. Like, I'm fine with that as a fan. I don't care. The SEC wants that to happen. Keep them out of the Big Ten. They're definitely not going to the ACC. So it's yeah. it's maybe there's a tipping point in like 2036 where you where they have, they break away and there's their only the only playoff is between the SEC and the Big Ten. And when that happens, then yes, Notre Dame will have to join a league. But as long as they've got access to the playoff, they're not. Why would they ever join a conference? Braden, great stuff as always. Really appreciate. It. I know you're a busy guy. Thanks for making us uh, carving out a part yeah. of your day for us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, always a pleasure, dude. Anytime. Don't forget, it's a Fringe Element SEC football-only podcast Braden's a part of every week. Uh, also, the Cover 2 podcast, a football show as well. All of that at uh, 440 Sports. Braden Gall, thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. No problem. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.